getting set up up here. If you don't mind, if you were uh, take those offering baskets that are on your end, just hold on to them real quick before you send them down. Uh, if you know we're at Vintage, we're in a season of um, of, of a new build out, and uh, so we asked our Vintage people uh, a while ago, hey, what is it, whatever God's calling you to to give to this build out because we want to pay cash for it. Uh, you have until January first uh, to basically complete that pledge, and so. Uh, so far, we've raised uh, the pledged money is at $151,000. About 130,000 has come in so far, uh, which is fantastic. And, uh, and so I know there's some of you this morning probably came ready to give that. Is, so as the basket comes along, you can just put the, the remaining and amount if you have it in the basket. If you have not um, fulfilled your pledge yet, um, you know the weight of God's um, sin and wrath is going to fall on you. Not His sin, your sin, whatever. That was whatever you know. I'm getting that. Um, it really won't. Um, but I will say this: if you want to even give it later, we're not going to refuse your money. So, uh, but I would ask, and that commitment that you made as best you can to fulfill that. Uh, obviously, we set our budget up accordingly, and that'd be great. A um, couple of things: Saturday night service. Randall mentioned it uh, for January's asking. As you can see around the room, um, we are packed. We are packed at the first service. Uh, and so, obviously, until we get into our new space, we're going to be packed. And so it would be great if some of you who are committed here would just for the month of January be willing to come on Saturday night uh, so that some people who may be coming the first time to church would actually have a seat to sit in. Um, I would rather them have a seat than you, to be honest with you. And, um, and so if you make that happen, that would be fantastic. And... What else? My wife ripped my stuff up here. Take the offering, pledges due, and setting out services. I've done it, babe. We're good. So, All right. Well, I'm Steve Hambrick, and I'm the pastor here. And uh, we're about a year and a half into this thing called Vintage, and it's been exciting so far. Um, who knows how bad next year will be, right? Um, no, seriously, we're excited about what God's doing and, and how he's moving in our midst. And, and the reality is we've, we've just ended the year. Now, I hope all of you ended 2010. If not, you're in serious trouble because 2011 is upon us. And with 2011 coming, it means that there's been an ending. And a simple yet profound statement is this as it relates to ending, that for every ending, there is always a beginning. All right, simple, profound for every ending, no matter what it may be, there is always some form of beginning. And so we've just ended a year. Therefore, there is now a, a new beginning that's upon us. And, and when we talk about these new beginnings, there's this thing we call the unknowns that always come in the midst of our new beginnings. We're in a new beginning, and we're looking out, and out in front of us is all the unknown factors of things that could happen, whether they're good things, whether they're bad things, it doesn't really matter. There are unknowns out there for us, for unknowns for some of us, that can be really invigorating and exciting. And some of us, that's really scary and overwhelming. But the reality is, is we've come out of 2010 with an ending, and we've come into 2011 with a beginning Stealing from the words of Shawshank Redemption that we mentioned on Christmas Eve, here's the deal. Says, I guess it comes down to a simple choice, really, either get busy living or get busy dying. Right? You've all heard that phrase. We've used it around here. But it's the reality. We come into this new beginning with all the unknowns out in front of us that may be scary, invigorating, exciting, or overwhelming. The reality is we have a choice. Either we get busy living or we get busy dying. Not this past year at Vintage, I would say that we got busy. We got busy living. If you think about, you know, I, I think back to uh, to the moment when all of us at Vintage 
just gave of our time and energy to a little boy named Nicholas that we did not know. Remember the Hope for Nicholas event? This boy had inoperable brain cancer, and they were trying to do some things. A lot of money was needed. And so, so we connected with them, and we got connected on this planning committee. And about, I think it was like 75 or 80 of our vintage volunteers went and just spent the whole day giving themselves in the midst of the rain. I'll never forget uh, Leslie. Um, she was out there under the umbrella. Some of you may have been with her, and it was pouring down rain. Remember, remember this rain that came like this because it was raining so hard? Right, this rain, and she's just soaked to the core, right? And everyone's, but this is this great moment of watching everybody give of their time and their energy out of a great desire to do so, right? So just watching as this we gave hope for Nicholas, we, uh, just watching the connect outreach that we did. Remember, we took, um, all of us at Vintage took that, that, that Saturday. And just gave ourselves to whether it was Must Ministries or Kaya Ministries or, or whether we worked with City of Refuge or we worked with some, some widows and doing some uh, work in their homes and, and working with an orphanage and, and just giving our time and energy to help those who were in need, just sharing the love of Jesus everywhere that we went. And recognizing just the, the thousands of dollars that you gave this year for needs that were going on nationally. Remember we or internationally, remember we, we gave money to Living Water so that we could build wells in these third world countries. And we gave to World Vision so that we could help those, those, those people who were in need in third world countries. And, and we spent time and energy as we gave money to ministries locally at City of Refuge and Akaya Ministries and Must Ministries, just giving of our resources. And I watched literally as some of you who are in, who, who recognize felt needs in our own body. And just on your own, with the conviction of the Lord, you went and you gave your time, you gave your money, you gave your energy and resources to help those that were in need. We celebrate those events and those moments. That Vintage itself, just we took about 10% of what came into Vintage and just gave it out. And we gave thousands of dollars away to people in our own church who just didn't have food or didn't have money to pay for their needs in their own home, just to be a help for those who were desperately in need. We came along and in the process of vintage as a whole, we said, hey, we want to cultivate as a value of our church, we want to cultivate the presence of the Holy Spirit on Sunday morning. And, and by God's grace, he said, hey, I want to show up, right? And so we would come in and give ourselves and he came and he moved. And, and in the process of that, without us, you know, doing a whole lot of advertising and being super showy up here, we quadrupled in size in one year. Lord knows it wasn't my preaching, right, that made that happen. It was just God decided to show up, and people for some reason are drawn to the presence of God. And so they came. And because of that problem of people showing up, we had to go and say, well, we've got to build a new space because we're in three services here. I mean, the Hambricks and the, and the Wellings, man, we're worn out. So is the band for having to be here. Let's get a new space. And so we said, but hey, and God said, I want you to get a new space, but here's the deal. I don't want you to go off man's wisdom of getting a loan. I want you to pay cash for it. We said, God, we don't have the money. He said, if you'll pray and ask, I'll provide. And so we freaked out. Are you sure? Right? And so we prayed and we believed and then all of you gave and here we are and just and listen in less than a month february 1 they're saying hey as long as you don't slow us down vintage we'll be done with your space by february 1 do you know it's january 2nd 2011 right we're talking in less than a month we'll be in our new space paying cash the whole way of watching god do what he wanted to do here at vintage and telling his story this is where we've come this is where we've been this is where we are today 
being a people in this who have ended 2010 and moving into 2011. And here's the reality. We have a choice in this moment of our beginning with all the unknowns in front of us. Are we going to get busy living by believing God and trusting him for our next steps and where we're going and what's going on next? Or are we going to get busy dying, looking back at how great we were yesterday and can be completely stagnant, talking about how wonderful we were yesterday rather than focusing on today and tomorrow? We want to be a people, right? And I want you to be a people and you long to be a people yourself who are literally living every day with the understanding that you're going to get busy living as you live a life of obedience to God. How many of you know that that in Scripture it says, how do you know if you love God? Because it's really clear. It says, well, you're obedient. That is the expression of how you express love to the Father. So how do you know what love is? Well, you're obedient. You obey me. You follow me. And so when we talk about vintage being a church that loves Jesus, and the question we have to ask ourselves, are we being obedient to what God is calling us to in our next step? And so this morning what we're going to talk about is this idea of the unknowns. This understanding of living a life and this new beginning coming to an end and this new beginning. Because every single one of us in life have come to this place ending a year and have this new beginning. And, and on side of all of us and as vintage as a church, we come in with this reality of unknowns out in front of us, don't we? And some of those unknowns, they scare us, freak us out, whatever it may be, but they are out there. And as we come into that place, this new beginning with the unknowns in front of us, what I want us to do is look back at the Israelites being led into the promised land by Joshua to begin to get a picture of maybe what they were feeling in the situation of their new beginning, how they processed it, and what God taught them in the moment that we can learn from them so that in our new beginnings with the unknowns out in front of us, we too can succeed as they did. Is that cool with y'all? All right, turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 3. This is going to be um, the, the bring your Bible year, right? So everyone can bring their Bible. If you don't own a Bible, just ask the person, just take the one from the person next to you, right? You can just have their Bible and giving you permission how to take it. If uh, you see someone doesn't have a Bible, make sure you give them yours, right? Um, we want to be a people who actually read our Bibles. That would probably be helpful in our lives. Joshua chapter 3, starting in verse 5. Joshua told the people, Hey, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things. Could you remember, could you, could you just, just think about that night? Joshua said, Hey, tomorrow God's going to do amazing things. Like, What's he going to do? I don't know. Pretty cool, right? God's going to do amazing things among you. So Joshua said to the priest, Take up the Ark of the Covenant. It's this box, this gold box with rods through it, right? You carry it. Take the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and they went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel so that they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. That's important. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant. Hey, priests, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. 
This is how you will know that the living God is among you, and he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, the Jebusites, and all down the sites, right? See the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth. It will go into the Jordan ahead of you. And then what happens in the story is that the priests do as, he's, as, as they're told. And they walk into the Jordan, and all of a sudden, just like what happened to the Red Sea, the waters parted and there became dry ground for the Israelites to cross over in this river. It wasn't a huge river. It wasn't a small river. It was just kind of a medium-sized river. But it would be hard to cross with all the kids and all the stuff, right? And, you see, and they, they walk in and boom, the waters part. Because you see, in this moment where it says that, that it says, hey, I will prove to everyone that I am with you as I was with Moses, What it shows in the first two chapters of Joshua, the people in this new beginning about to look out, they are freaking out, right? They just had some new things happen, and they're overwhelmed at the ending in their new beginning. So let's look at at some of the new things that are happening. Well, before we do that, get a picture of what's happening. Moses, 40 years ago, went into Egypt and said, let my people go, right? And all of these plagues came down. We met some locusts. We saw some frogs and all some nasty stuff, right? And all of a sudden, Pharaoh says, enough is enough. Take them and go, right? So the Israelites all went as a nation following this leader, Moses, right? And they were led by the pillar of smoke during the day representing the presence of God and the pillar of fire at night that was the presence of God. And Moses was this great, undeniable, powerful leader. And it says that in Scripture, it says that Moses would speak to God face to face as a friend speaks to the friend. And the Israelites said, listen, we're afraid of God, so why don't you go talk to God on our behalf? And so here's Moses, this power unbelievable leader and everyone's like this is Moses right you have to go down and you say his voice Moses right because he's the man Moses is the man and everybody recognizes it and they're aware of the presence of God and they're living in this nomadic lifestyle now in the, in the desert because when they went to the promised land this land flowing with milk and honey that God promised them they were disobedient and couldn't go in you've all seen the movies right you've all read the story you know it better than I do and so they go up boom you can't go in you've been disobedient and so they begin to just traipse around the desert for 40 years with Moses leading them and God's presence being with them and then all of a sudden one day the inevitable happens The worst thing that's ever happened in any of their lives, Moses died. Have you ever had one of those people die in your life? Or one of those people just all of a sudden go missing in your life? The one who knows all the answers? The one who's the rock for you? The one that you can lean on? And all of a sudden they go and you're like, what do I do now? And you're you're freaking out, right? This is what's happened here. Moses is gone. And so what we see in the new things they're facing, number one, is they have a new leader. They have a new leader. Moses has died. They're rock. They're constant. And all of a sudden, this unproven leader is brought onto the scene. And no one knows how he's going to do, especially Joshua himself. That's why if you read in chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Joshua about 
about 15 times this phrase is told to Joshua. Be strong and courageous. And I will say it again to remind you because you're not filling me with a lot of hope in this. Be strong and courageous. And Joshua's like, okay, right? Because could you imagine having to fill the shoes of Moses? I mean, Moses was the, like a precursor of Jesus. Could you imagine one day somebody say, hey, you have to fill the shoes of Jesus. What? And they're saying, Joshua, fill the shoes of Moses. And Joshua goes, what? And he's freaking out. And, and everything in his face is screaming, I'm not strong and courageous. I am scared to death. And they're like, we don't need you to be freaking out. You need to be strong and courageous. Stop it. This unproven leader in the moment, and they're wrestling with this. This new leader, a new moment. We see that they're going to have a new home. Think about it. This previous generation who had been in Egypt has died. And now it's this new generation. All they've ever known is this nomadic lifestyle. They are very confident and comfortable living in the desert. It's become home to them, right? They live in their tent. They stay there for several weeks. The presence of God lifts from the tent of meeting, and they know it's time to go again. So they spend several days packing up all their belongings. They pack up their mules, and they head off again to come to another spot. And boom, they stop, and they reside there. It's become home. It's become normal for them. It's become their life. And all of a sudden, they're saying, now we're going to leave your home and go to a new place. How many of you ever left your home? and it freaked you out, right? That's what's happening here for the, for the Israelites. Number three is we see a new lifestyle in a couple of different ways. Israelites are going to have a new lifestyle. Like I said, no longer nomadic, but static. I mean, they're staying in one place now. And they're like, this is so weird, right? We've only been in, we've just been living nomadic. We don't know how to be in one place. What, what are we going to do? This is going to be so bizarre. All of you have seen Green Acres, you know Zsa, Zsa Gabor, right? New York is where I'd rather stay. I get allergic smelling hay. I just adore a penthouse view. Darling, I love you. But give me Park Avenue, right? And we live the whole show is about this, this, this weird connection. She can never fully grasp and get a hold of what it means to live the country lifestyle. Now, we know country life is much better than city life, amen, right? So we know it's, but she didn't know that. And this whole tension's going on inside of her. You know the tension, this new lifestyle, everything changes, and it's just, oh, it's like this, and it's like nails on a chalkboard, and they're experiencing this. But the even bigger lifestyle change is this, going from peace to a lifestyle of war. It says, as you go into the promised land, you will have to fight the, all the sites, the parasites, the parasites, the garazites, whatever they are, right? You're going to have to go to battle with all the sites, and they're freaking out. Why? Because we've been nomadic and they have entrenched themselves behind these guarded walls. And they've been making armor and swords and stuff all day long. And we're just out here with our, with, with our, with our shovels and stuff. And we gotta, I got a staff. I could beat somebody with this, right? It's like, no, they're just, this is, there's like, oh, this lifestyle change. And they're living in the fear of the moment, Going to war. How many of you have ever known someone or you yourself have gone to war and they come home changed? Because something happens in a lifestyle of war that is overwhelming. And they're living in the reality of a lifestyle change. You see, they've had an ending. And they have a beginning. 
And honestly, in chapter 1 and chapter 2 of Joshua, they're not super excited about the life change. They're not super excited about the beginning because it's because of the emotions that go with it. Let's look at some of the emotions and see. I'm, gonna, I'm basically going to read between the lines here, but I'm going to do it pretty confidently because they are human beings, and you're human beings, and I'm a human being, and I know how these situations affect me and affect you. So I'm going to read between the lines, give me grace in this, but I'm going to assume they're feeling like we do because they're human. So the, 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 here's some of the emotions that I think they face. Number one, the fear, worry, and anxiety of the unknown. The fear and the worry and the anxiety of the unknown. For, for, for many of us, for many of us, the unknown, it can be overwhelming, right? You can, you can see it in the movies. You sit on the edge of your seat as this girl in the dark walks down this long corridor, and, you, and the music is playing, and it's building, and you know something or someone's about to jump out, right? She's in this thing, and all of a sudden it's like, ah, right? You do this whole thing, because there's the anxiety. We all live in this place of the unknown that the shoe's about to drop on us. Something bad's about to happen. We live in the fear, in the anxiety, in the worry of the unknown with all these things that are unsettled in our life, and this happens when we come to a new beginning, and they're facing it, and many of us are facing it in this new season, this new beginning for us that we call 2011. And we're at this place where we're like, oh my gosh, fear and anxiety and worry. Think about the Israelites, they had the fear of Moses being gone, and the whole country is left in some dude who can never fill the shoes of the greatest man who's ever lived. The fear of the inhabitants, all the sights, man, they're scary. And they're about to go to battle with them. And all the poor moms over here are like, my boy's about to die, right? And all the boys are like, mom, about to die, mama, right? And they're just living in the fear of the unknown. They may die. And all the fear, the worthy anxiety, everything about to change. And they're scared to death. They're anxious and they're worried. God had been with them for 40 years. But what if God doesn't go with us? And then we get annihilated. How many of you ever felt that way? Well, I mean, God's been with us, but what if he's not going with us over here? What if he doesn't show up? We're going to be dead. And they're experiencing this in the moment, right? The anxiety of, losing, of leaving everything they've ever known to go to some place that's now an unknown. The fear and the anxiety and the worry is stirring. Second thing is depression and sadness. How many of you know that this season has the highest level of depression and suicide of any season every year in our nation. Highest level of depression, the highest level of suicide. Because of depression, because of sadness, and whatever may be going on. You can name it, right? Unmet expectations in the year and the fear of what's coming up. Having not, no one to love to love, and no one to love me, and I can't just loot, lost all hope. Whatever it may be, but all of us, in some level, probably come into the season before and felt our emotions and felt sadness, felt depression, and not quite figuring out what it was. And some people, they get overwhelmed by this. And maybe it's because you literally are in a new beginning, and it's like something is past, and this new beginning beginning is coming, you're like, that would be so great, man, this is never going to match up, maybe that was so bad, it can only get worse, and it may be even sadness and depression of, of something good going on, how many of you have, when you, got the, when you got married, you did this, oh my gosh, I can't wait to get married, but I've got to leave everything I've ever known, and there was just this kind of moment, 
in your life and you're like, maybe I shouldn't get married because it's like, I'm scared to death. And the parents are like, that'd be fine because they're living in the moment. Like, I don't want to lose you. You're my baby, right? And you're living in this moment of sadness and depression because I can't believe I'm losing my baby. This is going to be, oh, total life change and ending to a new beginning. The unknown is out here. And this was so known. I understand this. I have my grasp on this, but this out here, I don't understand. And it's just like, oh, it just hurts my heart. It hurts my mind. I'm sad and depressed, whatever it may be. Israelites are facing the same thing. It's a life change. It's a home change. Everything's changing, and they have no rock to stand on in Moses. And here's this Joshua dude who no way could ever measure up to Moses. But maybe the third thing they're feeling, and that maybe that we can feel too at this new beginning, is excitement. Is excitement. For all their emotions, the fears, the worry, the anxiety, The reality is this, their future, and I would say it to you, your future has unlimited opportunities. See, the dream for them had been talked about for 40 years, and now the realization of the promised land, it's upon them. And they've been talking about it, talking about it, talking about it, and they can just press through the situational feelings of the moment of the unknown and get to the excitement, the unlimited opportunities that are in front of them. Then it fills them with excitement. And the reality for us is this is true for all of us. No matter what the last year has has held for you and you've come to the ending of it, This year ahead of you has unlimited potential and opportunities. And I want to look at the three, just to be three things that we see God doing in the life of the Israelites and speaking through Joshua to the people that may begin to give us a grasp on what we can do in this season of our beginning in the midst of the unknowns to have hope and excitement for unlimited potential. First thing is this, we have to bathe. Have to bathe, Austin. You gotta bathe, bro. No, you gotta bathe, man. Joshua three five says, "Consecrate yourselves." Do you hear that? Consecrate yourselves. Purify yourselves. Make yourself right in the standing of God. Set your life apart. Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. We said the Advent season was a season of preparation, a season of setting ourselves apart so we could purify ourselves for relationship with the Father. Listen, we're called to examine ourselves. Hey, are there any, is there anything in your life that needs to be shifted because it's hindering relationship with the Father? Paul once said, he said, yes, all things are permissible, but all things aren't beneficial. What he meant was, yeah, you can do that, but it's going to hinder your relationship with Jesus. It's not beneficial to growing you and growing your relationship with Jesus. And he's saying, and Joshua says, listen, consecrate yourself because, listen, God wants to be in your presence. Hear that. God wanted to be in their presence. He wanted to move. He says, listen, if he's going to come, you better purify yourselves, make yourself right, examine yourself. See, is there anything that's not beneficial in your life that would hinder you being close to him? This was the charge of Joshua. So what it means for us is this, and hear this. What is, the, what, is, what is God excited about you doing? What is God excited about you doing to prepare for his presence moving in your life? What is God excited about you doing to prepare yourself for his presence? He's like, oh, I can't wait for you to take this out of your life because then we can really be together. This will be fantastic. Prepare yourself. Examine yourself and just get rid of it. Number two. 
Follow God. He knows the way. Follow God. He knows the way. Joshua 3, 3, 4 says, talking to Israelites, Hey, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests who are Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. I love that. Hey, are you in a new beginning and have no earthly idea where to go? Fantastic. Follow the ark. The ark simply represents the presence of God. The box was the place where his glory dwelt, his presence, right? The ark of the covenant, they knew, listen, this is where God dwells. It was fantastic. If you want to go to battle, just walk on the field and say, oh, watch this. Walk the ark of the covenant out. Open it up. Boom. Everybody's dead. It's fantastic, right? The ark of the covenant's powerful. That was an exaggeration, but it represented the presence of God. And they knew it. And so when they said the Ark of the Covenant, Josh says, listen, the Ark of the Covenant is going to pass in front of you. The presence of God is before you. And if you are at this new beginning and you feel worried, anxious, and overwhelmed, and you don't know where to go, good news. The presence of God is about to go before you. Consecrate yourselves. Get yourself right and ready so you can see him when the time comes. Yes, those things are permissible, but they are definitely not beneficial. They are definitely keeping you from seeing Jesus. As we step into this season, I ask you in this new beginning, what is God calling you to do so that you can follow him? What is he saying to you so that you can follow him? Listen, you have, listen, if you, you can't follow someone you can't see. Pretty much common sense. You can't follow someone you can't see. If you can't see Jesus and you're a new beginning of freaking out, then you better get someplace you can see him because if you don't know where to go, you need to be able to see him so you can follow him. Get yourself in that place so you can follow Jesus. Number three, don't forget what he has done. Joshua 4, 4 through 7 says, Joshua called together the 12 men, the ones that he had pointed over the tribes of Israel, the ones who had carried the ark, right? He says, go over before the ark of the Lord your God in the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the Israelites. There's 12 of them. So basically he says, hey, ark's over here. I just want you to walk into the river you just crossed and that you just stood in. I want you to grab a big rock. And so they walked in. Twelve of them grabbed the rocks, right? He says, to certain, you're to grab these to serve as a sign among you. In the future, I love this, in the future when the, your children ask you, hey, Mom, Dad, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it, the Ark, crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. A memorial, a memorial to the people forever. This is a huge statement. So basically says, hey, listen, I want you to go over, grab those rocks, put them all right here, and then you can forever look at them and know what God did. So the two things we learn from this moment, number one, we must never forget what God has done in our lives and in our church. You must never forget what God has done in your life. Here is, a, here is something you need to do tonight. All of you need to go home. And either on your laptop or on a pad of paper, sit down for two hours and write down everything that God did in 2010 in your life. 
Because what you are doing is creating a 12-stone type moment of creating a memorial in your heart and in your mind, remembering everything that God did. Because when you build a memorial of remembering what God did, it will build your faith. Because if he did it once, he can do it again. And a memorial is something that we look at to remember. He says to the children, hey, I don't know if God will move today. Well, come on, son. We're walking to the Jordan. I'm going to show you the 12 stones. Dad, I've seen those every day of my life. Well, then you've forgotten. Because I'm about to walk you over and show you that I walked on dry land right here. This is a stone as a reminder. In fact, this is my tribe's, this is your tribe's stone, son. And we walked across it. That's why you're living today. And if he can move in your life, if he can be powerful in, in our lives in that day, he'll be powerful in your life today. Don't forget it. Yes, sir. These are memorials and moments where we look back and see what God has done so that we can remember. Because if he did it once, it will build our faith that he can do it again. But number two thing we learn is we must remember God wants to do new things. God wants to do new things. We're going to talk about this for the next few weeks at Vintage, but here's something I want you to hear me say. Death occurs in churches who only live off of the memory of yesterday and have no clue what God is doing today. Churches die and all they can do is sit back and talk about yesterday. And they can talk about the glory of yesterday and how God moved over here. Listen, scripture says, forget the former things and don't dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. It springs up. Do you not perceive it? Are you completely clueless of how God wants to move today? Listen, we remember yesterday, and we use it as fuel for today and tomorrow, but we don't camp out. We don't build a fire and only talk about yesterday. If you don't have stories to tell about today, then you're missing what God is doing because he wants us to use yesterday as fuel because he wants to do something new today. Are you aware of it? At Vintage, we celebrate. I just laid out a memorial, 12-stone memorial, just a handful of the things that God did in the past year. But listen, I've already forgotten them. Because I look and say, God, if I really love you, then I have to be obedient today and tomorrow for the next things that you have for us. And God, we can't live off of the vintage, off of the glory of yesterday. Hey, that's fantastic. We quadrupled in size this year. That's fantastic. Thank you, God. But that's not what we're going to be looking at tomorrow. It's not about that. It's about what are you calling us to today? Maybe you're calling us tomorrow to lose about 100 people. Well, that's fantastic if we're going to be obedient in doing it because it's about what God's calling us to do today. And that's what he's saying for us. We've come into a new beginning. We've ended something. And in the ending, yes, there are emotions that we're wrestling with. We've come into this new beginning because there's lots of unknowns. There's, there's, the, there's fear. There's worry. There's anxiety. There's sadness and depression that we're facing. But the reality for all of us is there is excitement because the opportunities in front of us are unlimited. If we're able to consecrate ourselves, as we're able to come before him, and follow him as we see him. And as we remember what he has done in us and through us. And use it as fuel for what he wants to do today and tomorrow through us. That's his heart. That's his desire for you. And as you step into a new beginning today. With all of the emotions that come along with it. I want to say to you. You need to either get busy living. Or get busy dying. Either focus on yesterday 
or move forward in the opportunities that lie ahead of you today and tomorrow. Let's pray.